Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. Welcome church family. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here on staff and just so excited that you continue to join with us in this way. And before we begin uh, with the message, let's just pray again. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in mighty ways, that you would do the unexpected today, that you would do things outside of the framework of our understanding. And so I just release expectation uh, in house churches all over uh, that are meeting this morning, this week. In your name, Jesus. Amen. One of the most filmed events in all of the world is the elementary school program. Because parents bring their video cameras like kids are winning Oscars. And you probably have experienced this. Maybe you've seen one of these with all the kids in neat lines standing like statues. But the beauty of these programs is one, one of the kids, when they break the mold, when they step out, when they steal the show, like, like this video here. That kid was just breaking it down. She was just doing her own thing. And that's usually what you remember from these programs. You don't tell other stories. You talk about the one kid that was doing the robot and doing that dance. And, and it's fine because they're children and there's a certain innocence to that. They're not really trying to step out and be the superstar of that program. But sometimes with adults, they are. You see, this isn't just a kid issue. This is an adult issue as well. And nowhere is this more egregious than the NFL, than in professional football, when someone makes a tackle and then they do this ornate celebration that almost always ends with the praise me pose, like this. Check this video out. The second quarter from the 48-yard line, Moore will get taken down at the 41-yard line. Zadarius Smith. I love that little dance there. Now, when we watch something like that, aren't we all thinking the exact same thing? That's your job. Like, they get paid an obscene amount of money to do that. So just do your job, because I don't see this in other professions. I don't see Jeff Brown, when he finishes a worship set, take his guitar and do this, and then like bat flip it, and then do the worm off the stage. I don't see it. I'd love to see it, but we don't get to see it. Or the accountant that, when the numbers match, flips the computer table over and just walks out. Or you make a perfect meal, and you just smash the plate. It's not getting any better than this. Now, I'd love to see your videos. Feel free to send them with your celebrations. But we need to be really mindful when we try and make things about us that were never meant to be about us. And this can happen in our families. This can happen in our places of employment. This can happen in our spiritual communities and with our spiritual gifts. And so this this morning, I want to just talk about this idea here. When our gifts glorify us, people only encounter us. When our gifts glorify God, people encounter God. 
When our gifts are all about us, when we always want to point things to us, when we want to stand there and do the praise me pose, people will only ever see us and encounter us. But when we use our gifts to glorify God, people will have encounters with God. You see, the reality check is it's not about me. It's not about me trying to steal the show. It's not every man for himself as if this were some kind of ecclesiastical Hunger Games scenario. Every man for himself leaves every man by himself. You see, when we magnify ourselves and our gifts, we end up minimizing our God and our community. Our gifts are for other people so that they can have encounters with God. And we're continuing on in our wind-powered series. We've been talking about Holy Spirit. We've been talking about Holy Spirit moving in our lives and these themes of love and unity and building up the church. And last week, we were in 1 Corinthians 14. And Steve talked about the fact that we need a good word. He talked about the gift of prophecy and how it builds up and encourages and comforts. And this week, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 14 again. And we're making this shift from the gift of prophecy to the gift of tongues. And before we get to our scripture reading, just a little bit of background. This chapter is sandwiched right between the love chapter that Jennifer talked about a few weeks ago. And then the last chapter of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, is all about what is to come. It's all about the gospel and the resurrection and the end times. And Paul says, the most important thing I can tell you is about Jesus and how he lived for us, and how he died for us, and how he defeated death, and he was resurrected. And resurrection awaits us as well. So let's stand firm and give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And so chapter 14, right in the middle, is between how we're supposed to live and how we're to be mindful of the things that are coming. That's what we're supposed to do. Chapter 14 is a reminder to not be self-serving. It's about helping the community encounter Jesus because the end is coming. And we want to live with that in mind. And so this is a spiritually gifted community that we're going to read about. They're full of life. They're proud of their freedom and their ability to express it. But they were misusing their gifts. And in particular, they were misusing the gift of tongues. And they were making it all about themselves. So we're going to have a house church read our scripture this morning. Good morning, church. Uh, Welcome to your home church that meets in the garage of a home at Fairview Edition, just south of Leslie Middle School. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute and the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know when they are being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world and every language has meaning. And if I don't understand the language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it. And the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you're so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. 
For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. Now, some of the members of the Corinthian church were trying to steal the show. They were trying to make it all about themselves with their use of their special gift of tongues. There was a lot of people who had this gift, but there was a malpractice going on because they were just using the gift to point to themselves without any interpretation rather than interpretation that would have pointed people back to God. When our gifts glorify us, people only encounter us. When they glorify God, people have encounters with him. Now, the gift of tongues can be mysterious. Holy Spirit can be mysterious. And this gift can be confusing, and it's easier to skip over. But since it's central to the passage that we're reading, I want to take a few minutes and just address some frequently asked questions about the gift of tongues. First off, what is the gift of tongues? The gift of tongues, tongues literally translated just means languages, and it's the ability to speak in a language that you could not speak in before. And it kind of has a twofold purpose. First, it can be used for public proclamation and witness, where God will give somebody a message. We see it first in Acts 2, actually, when God gave the gift of tongues and the people surrounding the community from different parts of the world could hear about the glory of God in their own language. It was this public proclamation of who God was. And if it's given in the church, God gives a message, it needs to have interpretation. Now, secondly, it can also be used for private prayer and worship. In verse 4 of this chapter, Paul says it encourages, it strengthens the one who prays in tongues. And later on in the chapter, he said, I pray and I worship in tongues. And so, yes, this gift edifies the church, sometimes publicly with interpretation and sometimes in your private life. Now, some would say this spiritual gift has ceased to exist. And I would say this, God has given all of the gifts to build up the church. And as long as the church is under construction, we continue to need all of the gifts. And on a personal note, I have had very close proximity to this gift because both of my parents have the gift of tongues. And they have modeled this uniquely in absolute humility. It's never been about them. It's always been about their private prayer and worship life. So this gift still exists for the church today. Now, some people would also say this, that the gift of tongues is the sign that you have Holy Spirit in your life. Tongues is the sign that you are, as we've been saying here, wind-powered. It's the initial physical evidence of being filled with the Spirit. And I kind of grew up with this line of thinking. I attended, growing up, a Pentecostal church that was, um, it was a great church. It was very energetic, but they taught that if you have Holy Spirit, then you will be able to speak in tongues. And so this was what was promoted in the church. And so I knew that this was a good thing, so I prayed for it, and I prayed for it, and I prayed for it, and I had a pastor lay hands on me, and I never got the gift. And I was always left with this nagging sense of inadequacy. 
as if I was somehow some kind of second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. I mean, I knew that I was still going to heaven, but I was pretty sure I wasn't going to get a mansion, maybe like a yurt or something like that. I would have a place there, but it wouldn't be with the real people who had this gift. And if you have had this experience as well, I just want to free you from feeling like a second-class citizen of the kingdom. You see, tongues is a gift of the Spirit. It's not the gift of the Spirit. And we need to not elevate it above all of the other gifts. You see, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you have Holy Spirit in you. Scripture's clear in Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. When you put your faith in Christ, you have the indwelling of Holy Spirit. Now, if we come back and we look into this passage, we see Paul that's saying, Paul saying tongues mixed with humility and interpretation edifies the church, but tongues mixed with pride brings chaos. And so there was this kind of spiritual hierarchy forming in the Corinthian church, and people were using the gift without interpretation, and they were ending up in the praise me pose. Look at me, I've had this experience with Holy Spirit. And tongues, it really is an interesting gift. And it's oftentimes a gift that is highly coveted because it's an obvious manifestation. People know. You know, do I have the gift of helps or hospitality or teaching? Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a natural talent. But tongues is one of those things like, well, I couldn't speak in this language before, and now I can speak in this language, so it's pretty obvious. And when you use that gift, people notice. People will look at you, and we like to be noticed. And I know that I've been struggling with this in the church my whole life. I want to get noticed for the things that I can do well. I can even remember as a kid, my grandmother gave me a large sum of money for Christmas or my birthday, and my parents asked me to tithe some of it. And my first thought was, how will I be able to tithe this money so that people around me will know that I'm tithing this money? How will, be, how will I be able to give this cash so that people will go, oh, that's a good kid? And I kept thinking about that. We liked to be noticed in those kind of moments. And that was a problem in the Corinthian church as well. This gift made people encounter an individual, but it didn't allow the community to encounter God. And so Paul's correcting this malpractice. And Paul actually is even not so gently telling them, listen, I, I have this gift more than any of you. I speak in tongues more than any of you, but I would rather come and speak five words, he says, five words that you could understand than 10,000 words in a language you can't understand. I would rather engage your mind with five words than 10,000 words where you're just like, wow, he's really spiritual, but I didn't get anything out of that. Because Paul knows it's about pointing people to God, not to himself. And it's not just the gift of tongues that we can misuse. It's not just the gift of tongues where we can be self-serving. We can be self-serving in a whole lot of gifts. For instance, preaching, teaching. I think a lot of times preachers like to work hard to find concepts that people won't understand or use words that people won't understand so that preachers can show others how 
exceptional and erudite they are and how, by comparison, unexceptional and uneducated other people are. They can use the gift to point to themselves. Prophecy is another one of those gifts. Prophecy sometimes can be like pulling the God card. Well, God told me to do this, and nothing shuts down Christian conversation faster. Yep, God told me, and what are you going to say? No, he didn't. God told me you should do this. One of my uh, former students spent a season with Chris Tomlin's band, and he told me that oftentimes after a show, women would approach Chris Tomlin and say, God told me we were going to get married. And Chris would always be like, he, he didn't tell me that. Maybe you just ate a bad burrito or something. You know, God told me, God said this, God talks to me, and God wants you to do this for me. We can sometimes use that. Helps, the gift of helps. Always posting your gift of helps on social media so that people can see the good that you're doing can point back to us. Missions can become an opportunity to make our profile pick a child from a developing nation. The gift of leadership, always pointing it back to yourself and the need to be in control and the need to boss people around. The gift of generosity. Sometimes we can give with expectation or we can give in a controlling way or we can withhold our gift until our agenda is met. Or the gift of administration so that we can get all things to work together for the good of me. We can misuse a whole host of gifts the same way the Corinthians were misusing their gift of tongues to say, look at me, look at me. Look how close I am to God. All of these have the potential of glorifying the person with the gift rather than the person, the God, who gave the gift. And you know what? This can be especially noticeable in house churches because for better or for worse, gifts are magnified in smaller communities. And usually we don't have to think about these things. When we were meeting in the sanctuary, tear, we don't think about the gifts gone wrong because we know we've got professionals in place. And the professionals are going to lead. And the professionals who are seminary trained are going to do these things. But what about in a house church where we don't have professional Christians? We don't have seminary trained individuals. Sometimes these gifts can get magnified on the negative side. But also, there's been a beauty to this, that these gifts can get magnified on the positive side as well. And so many of you house church leaders are leading in such amazing ways and using gifts, some of you, for the first time. And so I would say, well done. But our service should not be self-serving. Our service is not to be driven by our personal preferences. We should never ask, how will this point to me? How can I use this gift to display me? Rather, Will this bring glory to God and build up the church? We should never feel like, how can I get glory out of this? Will this bring glory to God and build up the church? In verse 12 of chapter 14 that was read for us, it says, Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Literally, he's saying, be zealous for the gifts that strengthen the body. Be zealous for the gifts that are about other people. And towards the end of the chapter, he's talking about the gift of tongues. And then he comes back to the gift of prophecy. He's talking about words that people can understand so that when unbelievers come into the sanctuary, it says they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring, God is truly here among you. That's the goal. 
That's why God has given us gifts, so that we can say, God, it's about you. God, I want to give glory to you and so that others around can say, God is truly among you. We don't want others to come into this place and have an encounter with me or with another one of the preaching pastors or with the worship team. We want people to have encounters with God. They come to our house churches. They come to this place to have an encounter with God. Self-serving worship happens at the expense of community. It happens at the expense of the kingdom. Now, there's a couple things I want to give us in closing, a couple handles that we can walk away with. I don't want us to be wary of the gifts. God gives good gifts. Our gifts are good gifts. The gift of tongues is a good gift. But we know that gifts can go wrong. And so how can we keep our gifts from going sideways? How can we guard ourselves against making our gifts all about us? The first thing I would say is this. We need to engage our minds. Paul's asking us to think to be wise. In verse 14 of this chapter, he's saying, when you're doing this, your mind is unfruitful. You're not using your mind. And we need to do that. Paul wants us to engage our minds. And I I love that. I love learning. I probably overemphasize learning. I love the documentary or the textbook. I'm far more Wall Street Journal than Hallmark Channel. I like the learning aspect of things. And we need an intellectual foundation. We need knowledge. We need to be able to ask good questions. We need to engage our minds when we're using our gifts. And I think some of the questions that we can even ask ourselves is is this. Who is the spotlight on when this gift is used? Who, Who gets the glory when I'm using my spiritual gifts? And secondly, maybe you could ask, would I do this if no one else was watching? Would I do this if I couldn't post about it? It's really a question of my motive. And so we need to engage our minds. We need to have a firm foundation of knowing who God is and what our gifts are and how we can use them to serve the community. But we also need to, secondly, so that we can make sure our gifts aren't about us, is we need to have expectation in the mystery. And here's what I mean by that phrase, because it might not make a whole lot of sense here at first. Holy Spirit is mysterious. And oftentimes, the gifts are mysterious. But we need to continue to come with expectation, with this idea that the Holy Spirit is going to move and do what only he can do. He's going to do things way bigger than I could ever do. And oftentimes, these things are going to be outside the framework of my understanding that Holy Spirit is going to do things that I could never take credit for. And this keeps me from trying to think that these gifts are all about me. I can get so focused on intellectual things that I forget the mystery because it's so mysterious. When I focus too much on intellect, I tend to live without expectation. Let me give you an example. Once a year, our church does a Pentecost service. And it consistently is my favorite service in the entire year. And the reason is, is because I come into that service feeling like anything could happen. I come into that service knowing that God's going to speak to my mind, but he's going to speak to my spirit, that God is going to change my life, that he's going to do amazing things and change the lives of other people. I walk in with expectation into that mystery. And is this how we approach our times together? House churches, is this how you come to house church every week with this expectation that God is going to do amazing, humongous, big things far out of the scope of our understanding, things that only he could do? 
Now, I don't want to temper that too much, but I do want to say that we need to come with expectation without agenda, that our expectation should be that God will meet us in powerful ways, but we never demand specific agenda items or specific manifestations in that moment. We come to Jesus with high expectations, freaking, seeking, <laughs> freaking, I said, I think, seeking to free ourselves from our own agendas, from our own motives. I want to live into this. And so maybe one of the practices that we can enter into each week is just, Holy Spirit, release expectation. Release anticipation. Increase my expectation. And I realize that this is a difficult thing to ask in 2020, where the bar has never been lower for our expectations. I mean, my expectation in 2020 is like every few weeks, 2020 is just going to punch me in the face. And that's just what my expectation is. But over the recent weeks, I have just been asking Holy Spirit, I want to change that framework. I want to expect that you're going to do amazing things. I want to expect fruit. I want to expect lives changed. And I want to know it's from you and not anything that I have done. Now, historically, the church has kind of overshot to either one of these extremes, into the dead formality of intellectualism or the false fires of fanaticism. And both of those are wrong. We need to have our passion with a firm foundation. And we need to engage our minds and have expectation in the ministry, in the mystery. Engage our minds in expectation in the ministry so that we can continue to use our gifts so that others will have encounters with God so that others will continue to glorify God. And may that be. We don't ever want to end in the praise me pose. We always want to end in the praise him pose. Now, before we close this service, maybe you've been listening to this message and you've had questions about what tongues is and it all sounds mysterious to you because you've never actually surrendered your life to Christ. And maybe this just has spurred you on to some different questions. And we have people that would love to continue to connect with you. And if you just want to send an email to the cross at salemalliance.org and just say, hey, I have questions about Jesus, somebody will begin a dialogue with you and begin to answer some of those questions and we'll help you get started on this journey. Or maybe you just have questions and prayer requests and you just want somebody to pray with you and sit with you and virtually, of course, in this season. You can just go on the church webpage and find the prayer support tab, and you can do that as well. I want to close our time together with this benediction. So would you just uh, enter into a posture of receiving as this is read over you? May God free you from any type of serving that causes others to only encounter you. May you find a new freedom to use your spiritual gifts in a way that others will encounter the grace and truth of Jesus. May God continue to sharpen your intellect, stir anticipation, and increase your expectation. And may you be surprised by the power, goodness, and love of Holy Spirit as your life becomes increasingly wind-powered. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, 
and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.